Hey Coastal, Pastor TJ here. Super excited about what's gonna be happening this weekend at church. But before you hear from our guest, I wanna remind you that coming up next weekend, April 29th, we have our Immeasurably More Miracle Offering. And we're believing God to do some absolutely incredible things. And I don't know if you heard or not, but last weekend, Shayla talked about the fact that there was a business guy that does not go to our church that said, you know what? I love what God is doing at Coastal, and I want to give $100,000 towards that project. And the way I'm going to do that is for every dollar that Coastal gives, I will match it up to $100,000. So just by us praying and believing God for immeasurably more, we can actually double our generosity. So check this out. Next weekend, when we give, every dollar we give can double. That is amazing. That's what I would call immeasurably more. And so I want to encourage you, be praying, asking God what he would have you do in our immeasurably more offering next weekend. But this weekend, we have an incredible guest with us. He's a good friend of mine. He's been pastoring up in the Jupiter area at a church called Generations Church. Coastal, can we give a big hand to my good friend, Pastor Ben Pierce? You guys have some of the most genuine, authentic, hardworking pastors I know. And I just, anybody just want to rub his head, just a little bald spot? Just love that guy, man. And uh, I love how he preaches. He preaches hardcore. Come on, somebody. That's life-changing preaching right there. Um, Hey, I would just say to you, like, if you are new to this church, uh, you don't need to look any any further because you found a family and a group of people and a pastor that is giving his life to make sure that your life flourishes and your family flourishes and prospers. And I just encourage you, if you're new here, get engaged, get plugged in, plant your life here, and uh, watch what God does. He will do some amazing things through this church. And so exciting. You guys are building a building. Come on, somebody. Lord. Um, so I just I think God has a word for you today that um, that's just going to impact you. And so all of you guys that are new, welcome. Those joining by video, can we just give it up for all those new, those online? Come on. So glad you guys are here. Uh, so a little bit about me. My wife and I, Melissa, we started Generation Church 10 years ago. We celebrate 10 years uh, in two weeks. On the or no, next week. Next week on the 29th. We celebrate 10 years, so our churches uh, are pretty similar. Pastor TJ and I were in the same place uh, as far as like the, the trajectory of our churches and the growth, and, and, um, and, and it's just cool to come and be with you guys. So I believe God has given me a word today to put into your hearts that will challenge you, that will change you, and really prepare you uh, for this next season. And so uh, we started Generation Church 10 years ago. My beautiful wife, Melissa, as you guys can see, I married up in the world. How many of you guys married up? How many of you guys married down? No, don't answer that. Don't answer that. You want to have a good Sunday afternoon. Uh, I married way up in the world, and my wife, Melissa, is amazing. Um, I was um, not a ministry person. I came out of the business world, a research chemist, and I did surgery on animals and worked in the pharmaceutical industry, worked for the Department of Defense and just different places. Melissa, it was in the finance arena. She worked for the stock market. It was for stock brokers and, and investments and then in recruiting for um, high-level financial professionals. But God did something in us and called us out of the business world into the church world, into ministry, and it's changed our life. And so I, I believe that God give, has given me something today that will help you. Uh, I want to talk to you this weekend about being an uncommon team. 
in an uncommon church. You know, there's so much in life that is pressuring us to be average, to be common, to be ordinary, to be an average employee at work, to be an average uh, spouse, husband, parent, child, to be an average church goer or a follower of Jesus. There's so much pressure in life that just says, just follow the status quo. You don't really have to do anything great. Just just get your own stuff together. Enjoy your life. Get your American white picket fence and your two and a half kids. Anybody got a half anywhere? Your two and a half kids, your car, your house. But, you know, there is tremendous power in being uncommon. Tremendous power in living to your fullest potential. Tremendous power in being a, a group of people, a church, a family that reaches this city unlike anybody else. I believe that God wants to do that through you guys. As a matter of fact, what is already happening here at Coastal Church is uncommon. God is doing something amazing here. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew this, but church planting organizations, they call South Florida high risk. High risk church plants, meaning like people don't go to church in South Florida. People don't have that kind of religious background or they don't have that, that type of hunger or desire for the things of God. So when church planters like TJ and myself say, hey, we're going to go to South Florida, all the church planting organizations say, "Why do you need to pray a second time. It's an uncommon area and it requires an uncommon team. I believe what God wants to do in you guys is already uncommon, that you have made it nine years and you've got a building on the way and a second campus and this room is full of people and you got teams of people serving and setting up and tearing down. It's already uncommon, but what God wants to do in this next season is take you to a new place. He wants to take you to a place that you haven't been before. There's going to be tremendous power in this uncommon trajectory that you're on. A new facility, new challenges, new wins. I want to give you some of how to do that. When I was um, growing up, I played football. Anybody play football, American football? Uh, Anybody not understand rugby? I'm just like, you drop the ball, you can pick it up and run with it. That is not right. Trip that man. I played American football growing up. I played peewees, midgets, all the way to high school. And flag, actually, they didn't let me play flag football, yes, Lord, um, because I tackled everybody. I was like, flags, who needs flags? We're going to tackle people. This is what football is. And here's what I realized in football is when I played um, peewee all the way up to high school, it was the same plays. Like we, we had the same kind of offense, the same kind of defense. We did the same kind of, of practices. We did everything. Thursday was like just, you know, no pads and shorts practice. And, you know, you practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday was game day. And the same kind of, you ran through the same kind of barriers. You did the same kind of drills. We still ran suicides up and down the field. We did all of the same things. The fundamentals from Pee Wee all the way to high school, identical. Wing T, I formation, it didn't matter. It was the same. As a matter of fact, even if you go to college or professional, there's no difference in the fundamentals from peewee football all the way to the NFL. You know what is different, though? The way in which we execute those fundamentals. They do the same thing. They run the same plays. They just do it at a better level. 
And church is no different. What we do as a, a baby church growing into our nine-year anniversary, us 10-year, growing into our teenage years as a church, we still do the same thing. The fundamentals of church and what make this family work and make it amazing is the same. The only difference is, is that we get to execute at a higher level. See, when you're a little baby church, you do stupid stuff. Come on. Like you vomit on mama's shirt. Little baby churches, they do stupid stuff. But as a church grows, you know, you don't do the same kind of mistakes. You still need the same kind of care, but you've matured. And you've grown. You guys are getting ready to enter into that that next season. And as I was thinking about this, I I was thinking about um, just the Super Bowl. And how many of you guys are ready for the Patriots just to move on? I mean, Patriot Gate. Can we get another team just to take it for the next 10 years? God help us. Jesus' name. Let's just extend our hands to the NFL right now. No. No. <laughs> Sorry, TJ, if you're watching. Uh, I, uh, I was thinking about Vince Lombardi. Now, if you know anything about Vince Lombardi, he was one of the winningest coaches of all time. As a matter of fact, the trophy that you win when you win the Super Bowl is called the Vince Lombardi Trophy. But Vince wasn't always a winner. He was, he was coaching the, the Green Bay Packers, and he had five all-stars on the team, but they hadn't reached their full potential. And after a pretty bad season... He comes into his team, and it's August, and they're getting ready for, uh, you know, the August season practice and getting ready for the next season to come around. And, and he looks at his team, and he says, boys, this, this is a football. And his team looks back at him like, yeah, coach, we know. Boys, this, this is a helmet. These are shoulder pads. These are cleats. And he begins to run this team with five all-star players on the team through the basic fundamentals of football. They looked at him like, you're an idiot, Vince. But he wasn't so stupid because they won the first Super Bowl on January 15, 1967. They became one of the winningest teams in American history, so much that they named the stupid trophy after him. And there's something to be said about coming back to the fundamentals of what make this thing happen on the weekend, learning those fundamentals. It's the same from year one to year 10 to year 20. It's just how do you execute on them? Can you execute on them as as an uncommon team? Can you rise above just common church? Can you rise above just sitting on the sidelines? Can you get out on the field, kick a punt, run a return, tackle somebody, which is my favorite thing to do? See, the, the growth of this church and the lives that are reached and changed for eternity, they're changed because of you. See, the head coach gets to say, yeah, I coached this team, but the players on the field, they're the ones who made it happen. As a matter of fact, the head coach doesn't even head coach all the areas. That's why they have defensive coaches and offensive coaches and special teams coaches. Because one person, one staff, one pastor and his wife, they cannot make it uncommon alone. It takes you. People are going to be driving by Parkland, looking at that new facility. I went and saw it a couple weeks ago. Y'all, that thing is hot. 
You're going to have tons of people coming in here that are, are looking for Jesus. And I want to give you some fundamentals. An uncommon team can accomplish some uncommon things. So I like to dialogue just a little bit with y'all. So here's a question for you. We know that a football is the fundamental thing in football, right, in that game. What is the fundamental thing in church? Somebody answer me. Jesus, okay, that's probably like the game. Jesus is the game. Jesus is the reason why we gather. But, but what are we trying to accomplish? What, what is the football of church? What are we trying to get across the end zone? Lost people. You see, the football in our world, and the thing that we are trying to accomplish is people. Church is about people. It is about those sitting next to you. It's about those that have been coming for a while, those that you haven't seen in a while, those that are coming. Church is about people. The football is people. And our goal is to get people across the, the, the end zone line into the touchdown region. And that touchdown is what? Salvation. Smartest girl in the room. See, our playbook comes from Jesus. It's called the Great Commission. And I think sometimes we get it a little mixed up in church. But here is the, the playbook. This is the fundamental of church. It is people and getting them to the foot of the cross and in relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, go and preach the gospel first. That is first and foremost what we do. You have a church that preaches the gospel. Then we're going to disciple people. That is the second play of Christianity. And then the third play in the playbook is to introduce them to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comforter. Better that I go away so that he can come. So people understand how to live a spirit-empowered life. These are the fundamentals of church. In Luke chapter 15... The Bible begins to show us an uncommon team and what they look like, how they function. This is a very popular passage of Scripture. It's the passage about the prodigal son. And I've heard people preach this from the perspective of the Father, Father God. I've heard people preach this from the perspective of the found son, which is indicative of the church. I've heard people preach this from the perspective, which is probably most common, from the perspective of the lost son. I've never heard anybody preach this from the perspective of the servants that were in the story. And I want to unpack for you the role of this uncommon team of servants, this uncommon team that accomplished some uncommon things. If you'll grab your Bibles, power them up, turn to Luke chapter 15. A little bit of the backstory: the, the, the son, the youngest son, he comes to the father and he says, you're dead to me. Give me all your money and my inheritance. I'm out of here. And he goes off and he has some riotous living. I love that word, riotous. Do I have any riotous livers out there? Anybody like you were down on Los Olas last night? You pulled in this morning. You hit somebody on the way in. Because you're still just a little tipsy. Any rotten nobody? Okay, that's the next service, I see. He was riotous living. And, and he spent all of his money, finds himself as a, as a young Jewish boy in a pigsty, eating the pig food, which is a no-no. And he comes to his senses and he says, I need to go back to my father, but I cannot go back as a son because I basically told him to shove it. You're dead to me. So I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to go back as a servant, as one of his hired hands. 
And the father sees him off in the distance and starts to run to him. And this is where the story picks up in verse 22. The father said to his servants, find it interesting he didn't call the older son, which is indicative of the church, those of us who have been around a while. But he calls the servants. He says, quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. I'm still trying to figure out, like, do you buy that at Whole Foods, Fresh Market, or Publix? Like, where do you get the fattened calf? Bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. How many of you guys have at least two children? Raise your hand. You have at least two children. How would you respond if you lost one of them? Does it mean you love the other one any less? No, it is all-out emergency mode if you lose one of your kids. I lived in Texas growing up for about six years right around the time Adam Walsh was abducted and murdered, America's Most Wanted. And I love to go to those round clothes uh, hangers where the, in the malls, you know, where all the clothes were for sale. I loved it. Giggled my little pants off. And I would just hide from my mom, and she would be terrified. And back in the day, they, they would walk around with needles, hypodermic needles, and they would just pop moms in the neck and, and knock them out with drugs and steal the kids and take them to Mexico. And I remember... All the time, just, just trying to get away and giggle. And one time I got lost in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. Little boy, blonde hair, blue eyes. My mom was ready to kill me. And my little brother was there. And my mom and dad, they decided, you know, we, we've got to find him. And they went into emergency mode. All resources were put at the front. Everything that they could do was redirected to finding their lost son. Not at the expense of my, my other brother, but it's just what you do. And this is why we do what we do in the church. Somewhere, sometimes, we get it mixed up. And, and we, we don't realize that when we lose somebody in our family, it is not at the detriment of the found to find them. It is just what you do. See, in the church world, we make it about us. I wish we had five worship songs. Hallelujah. I need a white hanky. I want to, you know, run around, and I, I want to go crazy. I want to take my, I don't know why people try to take their shoes off on the worship team. I like, put your shoes on. This is not West Virginia. Come on. Tennessee, where I grew up. Put your shoes on. We got people who are looking for the Savior of the world. We need to be ready for them. The church, sometimes we get to this place where it gets inward and it becomes about us and what we like. You've been saved more than five minutes. It ain't about you. It's about the lost brother or lost sister. And here's the interesting thing about it is the thing that we're looking for as the older brother, it, it is found when we help find the lost one. So it's all out find my other brother. And there's this kind of tension that begins to, to develop because there's this sonship idea and then this servant idea. 
We see it in the passage. There's the older son, but then there are the servants. And I wonder why the father had to turn to the servants and not the older son. It would stand to reason that the older son would be the one that the father turned to and said, your brother is home, but something was broken in him. And I think sometimes in our churches, there are some things that are broken in us. It's tension between being a son or a daughter of God but also his servant. Servanthood without sonship is slavery. And sonship without servanthood is selfish. When we're looking to be a son or daughter of God, but we're unwilling to get off the sidelines and get on the field and play the game, be the uncommon team, whisk people who are searching for God, they're looking for their father, whisk them away, disciple them, love on them, help them make good decisions. Serve them. We don't do that. We've got something broken on the inside of us. We serve God from sonship, not for sonship. We serve God from a place of being his child, not for it. Because you are God's child, you are positioned to make a difference in people's lives. So I want to give you four things in the next few minutes. Luke chapter 15, verse 22. The father said to his servants, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Number one, an uncommon team provides a place of acceptance. The best robe, it, it, it really connotes this idea of acceptance, covering, and righteousness. Acceptance. When Jesus was baptized, the Father said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. It was from that place of Uh, acceptance from the Father that Jesus began to then serve. It was from that place of that baptism and the acceptance of the Father that Jesus began to do miracles. And it is that place of acceptance that you need to know today that as a younger son or an older son, as someone close to God or far from God, He accepts you. And we turn that back around and we provide that same acceptance to those that are coming in. They don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They have things pierced that I didn't know you could pierce. And my last name is Pierce. People that are hanging out in places that you would never go need to know that you accept them as much as the Father accepts them. Place of acceptance. We put on the best robe. We cover their sin. We cover their mistakes. If you're searching for God and you're here today, you're in a house that covers your mistakes that accepts you as you are. You don't have to take a bath before you take a shower. You just come and God will do whatever needs to be done as it relates to you cleaning up. You're accepted here. And church, we got to provide that acceptance. I want you to take a second just look around the room. I want you to look at everybody in here. Just look. Take a look. Look, it's not going to hurt you. All right. What if every single one of you were on the roster of this team on the field making a difference, playing a game, not spectating, not on the sidelines, which, by the way, I always had the most fun on the field, not on the sidelines. That's where I got the most enjoyment. What if every single one of you were on that team? What if you owned this service? What if you made it your life's mission to accept every single person that came in here to help them find a spot to put the best robe on them? What if you would do that? I told the other service at the other campus that I got a message I want to preach to our church called 10,000 Reasons. And that message title comes from the number of visitors we've had in 10 years that have come through our church that we couldn't help them feel accepted. 
we couldn't help them find a family or a home. Our church is the same size as your church. I bet you have 10,000 visitors over the past, maybe 9,000 over the past nine years. An uncommon team, an uncommon church. What if you had all of those people whose lives were getting changed? Y'all, this is South Florida. They ain't going to another church. They're sitting at home. They're wondering why their lives are messed up and why they're searching for something they can't seem to find. You are an uncommon team available and ready. Number two, an uncommon team helps people discover their value. The father said, put a ring on his finger. Put a ring on his finger. The ring connotes authority. It connotes value. It connotes this place of of ownership. When people come into this church, it is your job as an uncommon team to communicate value to them. You're valuable to me. I'm not just anonymous. You're not just anonymous. I know we got four services, and I have no idea who the other services are, but I come to this service. We're not anonymous. We're a family together. This is for lost and found people. For Melissa and I, we felt called to start a church, but we didn't have anybody in our lives to to place value on us or call value out of us coming out of the research world and the finance world, there was nobody there to say, hey, you know, man, like you say some good things. I think maybe you could impact somebody's life. You got a couple things right. Like you might even be called to ministry. And call that value out. What if you begin to call value out of people? And I know how this goes. Like, like we feel like sometimes like, like we don't have enough value in ourselves to call any value out of other people. Like I, 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 we're not a theologian, you know. Like, this guy looks like the smartest guy in the room right here. Like, he probably knows the Bible like nobody else. I'm not going to tell you who I think the dumbest person in the room is, but I got your number. We'll just save that one for later. Well, maybe you feel like the, the most biblically illiterate person in the room, and there are people who are way up here that know the Bible. It doesn't matter if you're up here or down there. It doesn't matter. You can still call value out of people. You can still make a difference. Just share your story. You don't have to be a a Bible school graduate. I just wish I'd have had somebody in my life that said, you know what, man? I think you might have something. I know you're in research, but I think maybe you might be able to pastor some people. I told our pastors what we felt, and they were like, oh, great. Bless God. Have a good life. I was like, thank, dude. Thanks. Appreciate that one. See, an uncommon team will call the value out of people's lives. Then he said this to his servants. He said, put sandals on my lost son's feet. Put sandals on his feet. An uncommon team's purpose is to help people engage in their purpose. The sandals signify direction, purpose, and destiny. We call purpose out. Meaning, why am I here? If you poll believers and unbelievers alike, the number one question that people on planet earth have is, why am I here? Why do I exist? An uncommon team helps people find it. I tell my church, my destiny is to help you find your destiny. And you know what I've found? is when I help others find their destiny, I uncovered my own. You never learn to play the game sitting on the sidelines. You get the most fun and enjoyment when you get your hands dirty, put your helmet on, and get out there and get at it. And what the older son is looking for, it's really quiet in here. Y'all hate me already? Just checking. 
what the older son was looking for was not found standing back along the corner, unwilling to go in the party. What the older son was looking for was in the party, was in the interaction with the younger brother. And then my last point, the father said to his servants, bring the fatted calf, kill it, let's have a feast and celebrate. An uncommon team cares for each other. An uncommon team cares for each other. Whether you're lost, far from God, or close to God, we care for each other. TJ, Shayla, the team, they can't care for everybody. But you can begin to care for each other. See, what I find interesting is the older son and the younger son both had an orphan spirit. They both felt uncared for. But there were the servants, willing and ready. I find this kind of interesting that the the party continued, whether the older son was involved or not, whether the, the church people engaged the vision or not. And in this kind of weird turn of events, the found son becomes lost, and the lost son becomes found. And if I were the devil, I would try to get the older brother mad. I would try to get the old, older brother centrally focused. I would try to get the older brother to a place where he was no longer found but became lost. I would try to get the older brother where he was just living a common life. I would get the older brother on the sidelines. I'd get the older brother disengaged. I'd get the older brother me-centered and me-focused. What am I getting? I didn't get what I want, so I'm going to go to another church. The average church attendance in America... Tenure for people is 2.8 years, and then they get bored and go to another church where they get bored in 2.8 years. So they go to another church where they get bored at that church, and in 2.8 years they go to another one. And the common denominator is not that all the churches suck. The common, can I say that here? The common denominator is not the churches. The common denominator is that we have an orphaned attitude as the church. And I'm just here to tell you, if you'll trade that orphan attitude in, that thing that the devil tries to put on you, if you'll trade that in for a sonship, for an affirmation from God, for being a part of the team, for getting your feet on the ground, for putting your cleats on, your pads on, getting out, learning the plays, making it your life's mission to invite these people to church that need Jesus, getting them plugged in, inviting them to growth track, giving in the offering. If you'll make it your life's mission to do that, you will find exactly what you're looking for. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you are seeking answers about God, you're kicking the tires of Christianity. I know this message is really a housekeeping message, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have something for you today. As a matter of fact, I know this, that the Holy Spirit is, is pulling on your heart and tugging on your heart. I want to pray with you today. You're trying to find out if this God thing is real. Can we all pray together? Will you guys repeat a prayer after me? especially if you're searching for truth. Say this prayer with me. Repeat after me. Say, God, I thank you that you sent Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross for my sin. Forgive me of my wrongs and make me a new person today. And now that I am found, I will make it my business to find others. In Jesus' name.
And with your eyes still closed, you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus. But somehow you got sidelined. Today God's encouraging you to get back on. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray a real quick prayer for you. You're a follower of Jesus, but you've been on the sidelines, and today God's tugging on your heart. God, I pray for those that have raised their hand, Lord, that they would step out into their destiny, out of their comfort zone, right into their destiny. Holy Spirit, do it in their lives in Jesus' name. And the last thing, you're here today. You prayed that prayer for the first time. I want to celebrate you. With your eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you prayed that prayer to invite Jesus into your life for the very first time, I want you just to slip your hand up. Nobody's looking around. We're just going to give a big round of applause. So here we go. Are you ready? Put your hand up on three. One, two, three. You prayed that prayer for the first time. Come on, sir. Proud of you. Right here in the back. Back here. Back here. I see you. Back here. Come on, Coastal Community Church. Can we just encourage our new brothers and sisters? So proud of you guys. All right, look at me very closely. This next season is an uncommon season for you. Are you guys ready to run into it with every ounce of energy, ability, passion, fervor? Come on. So proud of you guys. Thank you for having me. Love you all. Come on, give it up for Ben. Thank you, brother.